Good morning. In your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And as your pastor today, I want to ask you a question. Hey, if, if God showed you what He was actually doing inside you and what He wanted to accomplish through you, if God showed you how much He loved you, would you believe Him? If God showed you how He wanted to deliver you through your circumstances, would you believe Him? If God showed you how much perseverance He wanted to give you through this entire trial, would you believe Him? If God would let you see what He sees, would you trust Him? Or would you trust only the eyes of, of the flesh that see where you are and how you are? Would you believe God if God would show you what He sees? In Ephesians chapter 1, God will show us more than you ever imagined about His plan for you and His plan for us. And I just wonder, will you believe it? Will you be willing to see at the end of the sermon with eyes of faith and not with eyes of flesh? If God showed you more than you imagined, would you take Him at His word? Would you live that reality or would you be condemned to the one that you can touch and taste and see? The one that you think you can control? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul launched our sermon series last week with a long and beautiful praise of God. Well, today, Paul shifts gears to a prayer. Paul's going to pray for us. He prays for the believers in Ephesus and all those folks like them. That is us, who came in the wake of Christ to be His body, gathered all over the nations. And Paul's going to pray for us that our eyes will be open. And I want to pray that right now before our sermon. So will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, in a very simple request, I ask you to start with me, and Father, I ask you to anoint each one of us that you would open our eyes, that we would be enlightened to see what you see. I pray, Lord, you would show us the power of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that it would crush us and convict us, and that it would set us free. God, that would put to death the guilt trip that we live on and that we would begin living as sons and daughters. I pray, God, you'd move us today from feeling helpless to well-helped by a loving Father. I pray you'd show us, Lord, you see. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to start the sermon today with a little bit of uh, audience participation, especially from our kids, but certainly from everybody. I got new glasses a couple of weeks ago. I know you guys know that. After a long time in my old glasses, I got some new ones. I'm much more fashionable now, but I can see better, and that's really nice. Glasses help me see, and essentially all glasses or goggles or you know, lenses are supposed to help you see a little bit better, maybe in different situations. And so I thought it would be fun for us just to warm our brains up for the sermon today by thinking about different glasses or goggles and how they help you see. Everything that I'm going to show you in the next few minutes will help you see something a little bit better. So just for fun, before you start your nap or your doodle, let's go ahead and engage a few pictures. You ready? So let's, here's the first one. Does anybody know what these glasses right here help you see? Cass, is it going to not work? It's going to not work. All right. Well, if it was working, <laughs> if it was working, and you can give me a sign if any of them will work, and if none of them work, fine. If it was working, I was going to show you a pair of glasses that look kind of like mine, but the lenses, instead of being so clear, are yellow. They are just yellow lenses. Does anybody know what those glasses were made for? 
Yeah, that's right. Some of you got it. Gaming or computer. They got goggles that you can glasses that you can wear for gaming or computers that actually kind of help decrease the, I guess, the irritation that your eyes would feel from computer screens. The second pair of glasses I was going to show you today are these big goggles that you put on your head and they're robotic. And when you put them on, you immediately start doing stuff like this. Do you know what those would be? I bet you do. Virtual reality goggles, right? So you could play video games or go places that you're not going to be able to go with virtual reality goggles. I think that would be that would be pretty cool to have virtual reality goggles. The next one had a nice picture of Amelia Earhart. I bet some of you who know your history, you know who Amelia Earhart is. She's famous. Can anybody guess what kind of goggles Amelia Earhart would have been wearing on my fancy slide that I made? Would anybody guess? Aviators glasses, pilots goggles. She looked very fashionable in her goggles. The next one I picked out just for my son, Cade. There was a person, he was underwater, and right above his head was a sea turtle swimming right beside him. He had a GoPro underwater, and he took a fantastic selfie of himself with a sea turtle. Can anybody imagine what kind of goggles this individual was wearing? Yes, Hannah? Sea goggles? That's right, sea goggles. And what else do we call sea goggles sometimes, right? A scuba mask. That's exactly right. Hannah and everybody. Now, the last one I thought about, John Pierce, and I was really proud of myself. This was going to be the one with which I separated the men from the boys, right? This one was a thick pair of green plastic goggles that strap on a face, and the lenses are so dark you cannot even see through them unless you flip them up, and then you look super cool. Can anybody guess what kind of goggles those might have been? welding goggles that's exactly right and after looking at all those pictures I was going to say wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be cool if we made a pair of goggles that would allow us to see spiritually not just to see better when we're welding so that we don't go blind not just to see better underwater so that we get to catch the selfie with the tortoise or the turtle sorry tortoises are land animals my son would correct me not just not just that we could see while we're flying our plane across the oceans, but wouldn't it be cool if we had a pair of glasses that would let us see what God is doing? There's an Old Testament story that I think is really, really cool. So Elisha the prophet is surrounded by people, by an army who's come for him. And he's got a helper with him. And this army that's surrounding his little house, they're threatening his life. And he is just as cool as a cucumber. And his little friend says, man, are you not afraid? Are you not worried? And he laughed. He said, no. And he, he said, why not? And he just prayed. And he said, God, let him see. And for just a second, this dude's eyes were open. And all around this hillside, surrounding the army that surrounded him, was an army of angels, like warriors from God who were watching out to make sure that everything happened according to God's plan. I thought, well, that's neat. That's a cool Old Testament story. But what about the New Testament? Wouldn't it be cool if you could see angels? I mean, it'd be not as cool if you could see the demons, but cool if you could see angels and demons. More than that, wouldn't it be cool if you could see the will of God? Like, if you could see God's hand at work, His purpose. I think it'd be cool, probably blow me away. I think it'd be cool if we could see vision of the future. Like, if God would show us, this is where I'm taking you, man. This is where this road ends. Wouldn't it be awesome? I'll be honest, I think it'd be awesome if we could see heaven. Like if I could stand at a graveside with somebody who's grieving and I say, hold on, hold on just a second. Let me pull up my phone. I got God's GoPro app. Look at this. Look where he is now. If we could see like really with our own eyes what we're promised in the scripture. I think it'd be amazing. I think that if we could really see what God's doing around us, it'd be more than we would ask or imagine. We'd be blown away. I think we'd feel comforted. 
I think we'd feel hope. I think we'd be thrilled to run the Christian race with endurance. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 15 to 23, Paul is going to pray that God would open our eyes. And I want to show you the text, and I want us to think about this in our Christian lives, and let God bring us more than you would ever ask or imagine. In Ephesians chapter 1, let's read the scripture together. That's what the text says in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, stop for a second. I would love to know that Paul the Apostle was praying for me. And I mean, now one, just one step down from Paul the Apostle, Gwen the Perkins prays for me a lot. But to know that Paul the Apostle was praying for me, how powerful. Well, I guess I should be convicted that Christ himself intercedes at the right hand of God for us. But let's imagine for a minute Paul the Apostle praying. And I'd ask Paul, well, Paul, what are you praying for? What is an apostle, what does a saint of God pray about? He's about to show you. Be a great prayer for yourself and for your kids, for everybody around you. Here we go. What are you praying for, Paul? Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above every rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. I want you to look with me in verse 18. Paul prays very simply in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. I want us to walk through a few steps in verse 18. And while we're reading this, I want to pray that God would open our eyes. I realize that some of us have been following the Lord for a long time. But I still think that you and me, that we need our eyes to be opened. That if God could open the eyes of our hearts, we'd be blessed in it. And so let's talk a little bit today about what Paul says. First of all, in verse 18... When he says that he wants our eyes to be open, he prays that the eyes of our heart would be open. That's a very a confusing little metaphor. It's an interesting little picture. 
Paul's not asking that our flesh eyes, that our real eyes will be open, but he finds a neat way to talk about it. He says, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open. Now let's stop and just imagine for a minute, why not the eyes of my mind? I mean, I would love to have greater understanding and knowledge and wisdom, but I think what Paul is pushing you towards is a reminder that deep inside you, at the core of your being, you love and I love the things of the flesh. Our passions chase after our reputation, our wealth, our success, our esteem, your opinion of me. In my heart, I am driven by my cravings. In my heart, I perceive who I am. And here's the crazy thing. I cannot change the way I feel or my affections, my passions. I bet you, like me, have been very frustrated at some point in your life in the battle of the flesh versus the spirit when you realized your own limitations in changing the affections of your heart. I bet you, like me, have come to realize that only God can change our hearts. Like the reason for our faith, the reason for Christianity as it stands, is because we believe that a human being cannot change themselves from the inside out. We wish we could. My goodness, if we could. But we've been frustrated. I have and you have. By decades of trying to make yourselves better with more willpower or a better plan or a new resolution every January 1. But we've come to realize and believe that only God can change a person from the inside out. And I want you to know that only God can give you eyes of faith. Faith is a gift by the Holy Spirit of God. And I know that you and I have to exert faith to follow God, but I hope you'll understand that faith itself is a gift from God. And what I want us to know is that only God can open the eyes of our heart. The reason Paul the Apostle is praying for his church and asking God to do this instead of writing a command and saying, church members, open the eyes of your heart, is because we can't. Because we're stuck. The most brilliant of us, the most powerful of us, we're small and finite and stuck in our flesh. And nobody can open the eyes of the soul. Nobody can touch the eyes of the heart. Nobody can stir, change, or move the affections except the person of Christ himself. And that's why the Holy Spirit of God lives inside believers. Because for Christ to make us new, to change us from the inside out, it's his work of redemption that begins inside of us that accomplishes his good work. And we cannot forget it. But Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts would be open. And I want to just challenge you and I. For a long time, we've been storing up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. For a long time, we've been loving the things of the world and the things of the flesh. And our poor eyes can only see these things that we covet and love in the flesh. And our eyes, without His help, cannot see who we are in Jesus the beauty and the value of another person no matter how different marked by the image of God that you fail to recognize with eyes of flesh without God's help we can't see the short lifespan of the things that we love the real value of the things that God's called us to without God's help we would spend the rest of our lives chasing foolish dreams. Determined that the most important thing in the entire universe would be that we make show choir. Or first chair. Or drum line. Or that we be the starting pitcher. 
or that we get clean this week and that we turn our marriage around in 10 minutes and that we'd be as good as the husband down the street. Without God's help, we're going to live delusionally, blinded, chasing fictions and false visions. And Paul loved his church and prayed for them that God would open the eyes of their hearts. And I pray God would open our eyes, that is the eyes of our hearts. That starting today that we would see his worth and chase him. That starting today we'd see the beauty of his kingdom. Starting today we begin to see wise and godly pathways through our tensions, struggles. I want to show you what he asks for. He prays that the eyes of our hearts would be messed with, but what does he ask for them? That they'd be given light, that they'd be enlightened, that God would shine into them. I'm thinking now of Genesis chapter 1. When God shows up first on the pages of the Bible, he finds a world that is in darkness, unstructured, no life. And God comes into the darkness and says, let there be light. And he begins his defining work. I think of the text that I read during our prayer time that God is... God is working in our lives, and in the book of Colossians, he tells us that he brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And I pray that the eyes of our heart would be open. I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. So are there any English teachers, any grammarians in the room? Raise your hand if you're an English teacher or like a grammarian. You love the English language. I saw a few hands. All right, now, uh, buckle your safety belts, me and all of you. Raise your hand if you hate grammar. Gus, go ahead. Man, that was fast. It's boom. Like proud. I'm a card-carrying member, right? Not me. I love the English language. If you're a preacher, thank you guys. You can put your hands down. So really, you can put them down now. I mean, you don't have to come to the altar, pray, give a tithe. If you hate grammar, put your money right there. Um, No, just kidding. I know you don't love grammar. A preacher does because God revealed himself through the text of Scripture. And so we sort of dive in and swim around in it. And we try to understand it the best that we can. And we let the language come alive in our head. And this word, may it be enlightened. I mean, it's English grammar, and I don't want to put you to sleep, but it's passive. Now, so for those of you that stayed awake in grammar, grammar class, what, is a, what does a passive voice mean? Anybody know? It, it means you're not the actor. It means that something is acted upon. And in this text, Paul's praying that the eyes of our heart would be open, but he's praying that they would be open. In other words, you can't do this. It's got to be done by God. This is a passive action. It's where divine God looks at a repentant sinner who says, I have seen the end of my rope and I know that I can't fix it. Will you help me? Because I'm finally ready to crucify my pride and say, I need you. And Paul the Apostle is praying for folks like me, for folks like that, for folks like you who say, God, open my eyes and show me what I cannot see. The verb is passive because only God can do what's got to be done. Look at verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better. If I'm going to know God better, it's not going to be because I chased Him to seminary or to Bible college. If I'm going to know God better, it's not going to be because I determined that it would be so. It is going to be because God and His good pleasure and the kindness of His mercy opened the eyes of my hardened, dark and dead heart and shone some light in it, and gave me his spirit, and began to reveal himself to me. I don't know about you, but if there's anything in this world that I want to know better at 42 years old, it's God himself. 
It would be better to know God than to know the finer details of Minecraft. Better to know God than to know the inner workings of the stock market. It would be better to know God than to know any topic or subject that you're becoming a professional in. It would be better to know God than any other thing that you and I could chase. And Paul the Apostle says he is praying that God in his kindness would grant us his spirit, would open the eyes of our heart so that we could see. And I wish he could do that. I know for me, maybe for some of you, I've been through some seasons when I was frustrated with my faith or bored in Christianity. And you've heard me say this before. If the faith for you, if Christianity for you is just showing up at church and trying to be better than you were last week, if Christianity is just trying to read the Bible and follow the rules you find, well then of course you're going to be bored and going to be frustrated. The only thing that will change that is if God will open the eyes of your heart so that you can see that this is not a cold set of rules and rituals that he put in place. This is the person, the glory of Jesus Christ lived out in his people. But we are not going to get that unless God opens the eyes of our heart. So I ask, if God opened the eyes of our heart, according to Ephesians chapter 1, what would you see? If God gave us goggles so that we could see, if in his great kindness he came down to give us a, a moment of clarity, what would he show? For some of you, he'd show that you're not alone today. For some of you, he would show you that he loves you every bit as much as he loves the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. For some of you, he would show you your sin and crush you so that you would repent and come to faith. But what would he show you in this text? And I can show you what Paul is hoping for. The things that Paul is hoping for is, first of all, that you would see God as he truly is. That God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation so that you could know him better. The first thing that God would show us would be who he really is. And I, I know every person in this room has brought some preconceived notions of God with them today. But I'm telling you, the God of Paul's Bible, the God of the New Testament, is the God that gives life from the dead. The God that loves his sons and daughters. Is he a God of justice? Yes, He's filled with justice, wrath, and anger when we rebel against him, defy him. But he is filled with love and mercy and grace. And he has gone to the ends of the earth to come himself and take our sins on himself and grant us his spirit so that we can be totally forgiven of all our sins, adopted into his family, recipients of his grace. If God were to give you goggles so that you could see, you'd see more than you could imagine. But I think the best thing you would see is you would see God as he truly is. And I think that if you and I could see God as he truly is, then when we got off the floor from being knocked on our back by the glory of his beauty, I bet it would have changed the rest of our lives. Have you ever seen something so amazing that you just want to call and say, man, I wish you could see this. You wouldn't believe it. Maybe you watched a, a family member reconcile with another family member that you never thought you'd see it happen and you just want to call and say gosh I wish you could see this you wouldn't believe it maybe you saw something beautiful in nature sunrise over the Grand Canyon and you took a picture with your little four inch screen in your back pocket and thought well that doesn't quite get it dadgummit I just wish everybody could see this maybe you were in a worship service where the spirit of God just came down on people 
and you looked up and thought, gosh, I wish everybody could see this. You ever thought, man, I wish everybody could see this? I have. I'm telling you, if we could see God with the eyes of our heart and know him as he is, we would all stop and say, wow, I wish everybody could see this. It would change your personal identity because you'd remember that you're an image bearer of God. You're not worthless. You're his daughter. You're his son. He loves you. Recognizing God for who he is would let you see yourself as you are. It would put an end to your pride. That's true. It would stop your arrogance for sure. It would fill you with wonder, though. And I think it would set you free to live and to love him and to chase him alone. I think it would put an end to our divided hearts and divided minds. The other thing that I think that we would see if God could open the eyes of our hearts, if he could give us glasses that work for the spiritual realm, the other thing that we would see is our inheritance. Look in verse 18 and following. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. That God would show you what you're living for. The apostles talked to Jesus about how they had sacrificed so much to follow him. And he looked at them and he said, I'm telling you that not one of you that left your treasure, your family, your home, your fields, your houses, not one of you will fail to be rewarded in the kingdom to come in the age that is on its way, in the kingdom of heaven. I think if we could see the inheritance that God's giving us, and listen to me, I'm not talking about a mansion on a hillside. Personally, we'll talk about this another day, but I think the idea of you having a mansion on your hillside is bogus. It's man-made. But the idea that you see in heaven is much more beautiful than that. And don't misunderstand. In heaven, the snapshots that the Bible gives us, it's not a big church service where you're stuck on a church pew from now until eternity comes. No, you're alive in a new heaven and a new earth, and the glory of God fills the earth. And you explore it and roam it, and the gates of his temple are open. And the kings of the earth come in and out and give glory and worship to God. And you and I can be free. Free from our sin, from our lust, from our doubt, from our loneliness. Free from our depression and our addictions. Free from a fear of leukemia or nuclear war. Set free from the curse to live under the glory of God. Without anything hindering our love for each other, our relationships. Without anything hindering our worship. Able to see God as He is. Our inheritance. It doesn't matter to me if you die penniless on this earth. Your inheritance, the Christian hope, the resurrection from the dead, victory over death that Jesus died to give us, your inheritance is secure, and I wish that you could see it. Find a medical student two years from graduation and look in his cold, dead, sleepy eyes and ask him why he keeps going. And he says, because that's the only job I could ever get that I'd pay off all these student loans, number one. And number two, because I am going to cross this finish line and I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to help people. He keeps going because he knows that one day conferred on him is a diploma and a calling and a position and a life that he's dreamed of. And I'm telling you to keep going. To fight through your struggles or your depressions or your addictions. To fight through your spiritual rut your mundane, normal life because you know that you have an inheritance in Christ that will never perish or tarnish or fail. And I know that you and I believe that in faith, but I also know that sometimes our faith is pretty fickle. And we say, well, do I want to live for inheritance that I have faith in or do I want to make a decision that seems to work really well in the here and now that I can touch, taste, See, I wish that you and I could see our inheritance. 
that for a moment it wouldn't be faith anymore that you could see what you're living for, the Christian hope to which you're calling. I think every one of us would walk up off of this church pew today if we could see our inheritance invigorated for the Christian faith, ready to stand in the face of any suffering or persecution. I think any trial that came our way, we would smile and laugh in its face knowing that one day a reality is coming that we have seen with our own eyes. If God could show you the eternity that you would be free from your sin, then your battle with sin today would seem small in comparison and you would find the courage to fight it. I wish we could see our inheritance. My favorite part of this passage, and this is what I've been looking forward to preaching for two weeks for you, is this powerful little idea in verse 19. That he would give us the eyes of the heart enlightened so that we could see the power that is working in each one of you. Wait, I want to show you this. Verse 19. And his incomparably, or some translations will say surpassingly, or some translations might say abundantly. The Greek word, not that anybody cares, is, I say it once in a while so you think I know what I'm talking about, is Uperbalo, it's the word that we use to get hyperbole, exaggeration. And it means basically to throw farther. In other words, like hooper, uber baby, more than you think, hyper, and then balo is to throw something, to cast something. So it means farther than you could throw it, more than you could see it, longer than you could believe it. To make it bigger, that there is a strength, a power at work in you that is bigger, that is stronger, that is greater than you could ever imagine. It's more abundant than you could dream of. The Bible describes it this way. It is the same power that was at work when God raised Christ from the dead. And it is giving you life from the dead. You just can't see it and you can't feel it and you probably don't even believe it. But if God could open our eyes so that we could see with eyes of faith, enlightened eyes, you would know that the power that raised Christ from the dead is fighting for you. That the power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. And you would not quit if you could see the surpassing greatness of the power that's working inside the spirit of a believer. And you're like, Ben, I don't feel that, bro. Man, I, I barely drug out of bread this morning. Man, I, I barely got my kids here this morning. I don't know what to do tomorrow afternoon. My career is just kind of in cruise control. My marriage, I think, is probably kind of on the rocks. What do you mean great power at work in a believer? That's why I wish your eyes could be open and mine too. So that we could see what we barely believe by faith. power of Christ is at work in you. Don't mock it. Don't doubt it. Live in it until you see it with eyes that can see the kingdom. In the book of Ephesians, the power of Christ changing a person from the inside out. It is shown to be the power that makes dead men alive. It's shown to be the power that unifies divided races and nations. It's shown to be the power that heals marriages and puts an end to family war. It moves children from rebellious to respectful. It's the power that changes a man from a burglar into a blessing so that he stops stealing and starts providing for others. It's the power that makes us move away from the wine that leads to debauchery and drunkenness, but instead lets us be filled with the Spirit of God and with wisdom. It's the power that lets us speak the truth in love. It's the power that gives wisdom to the repentant fool. It's the power that lets us take off our old self and put on a new self. It's the power that lets us use our words to build up and not to tear 
tear down. It's the power that defeats every evil and every authority in the spiritual realms and the earthly realms, in this age and in the age to come. It is the power that can do more than you ask or imagine because it is the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God as the head of his church. And you are his church, his body on the earth. You're carrying out his mission. You're filled with his spirit. You are under his control and his unction and his power. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but believe it, that the power that raised Christ from the dead is working in you. And if you gather today and you say, Ben, I'm not even sure. I don't I haven't taken my baby steps with Jesus. But I'm asking you to give your life to Christ. And I'm not lying to you. You got testimony of a dozen believers in this room that would tell you that becoming a believer doesn't make your life easy. This, this power doesn't end your suffering. Paul wrote this letter from a cold, dark jail cell. But I pray that God would open the eyes of your heart. That he would enlighten us and give us faith to see more than what we touch, taste, and smell. That he would let us see our lives as a sacred calling. It's not just a degree. It's not just school. These aren't just extracurriculars. And you're not just surrounded by breathing bodies that are in your way. You and I live in the midst of spiritual realities that I doubt we could comprehend. But Paul prayed for his church. That God would do something no man could do. Change their hearts. And that God would open their eyes of their heart to see God for who he is. To see the inheritance that you're living for. And to see the power that's at work in you. And at the end of this church service, I, I guess I'm in the same place Paul is. No better. Praying that God would open the eyes of our hearts so we could see it. Preach some red in the face. To ask that God would let sinners be saved. No sinner is going to be saved until God opens the eyes of his heart and he sees his sin. I could preach some red in the face that we would fill the displays with ping pong balls because we're the most loving church in the world and we're connecting to people every single week. I could preach some red in the face, but we're not going to try to connect with people until we love their souls more than we love the things that are on our schedules. And nobody's going to do that until God changes my heart, yours, ours. So I'm the same place Paul is this morning. Praying for myself and you. That God would open the eyes of our hearts and we could see what he's up to. And I want to tell you that if you came to church this morning, you just want to give it a shot or reconnect with your roots or make your girlfriend happy, please your grandmother, or just you're searching for God, thanks for coming. And I pray that God would open your eyes, the eyes of your heart. And I just want to tell you that if you sit with us today and you feel a weight, a burden, a conviction, you feel like God's stirring in your heart and you don't know what to do. I just want to tell you what to do with that. Just give your life to Jesus. If that's a choice you want to make, there's no, no magical rules, no special words, but you make a decision in your pew today that you give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says confess Christ as your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. And if you do that today, come and share it with me. We'd love to celebrate baptism with you and watch you walk your spiritual journey as we are walking ours with you. Just ask you to give your life to Jesus and be saved. But for the rest of you, I pray that God would open the eyes of your heart. And he would show you what only he can show you. You'd see it. He'd change you. Let's pray.
Father, we surrender to your word and to your spirit. We don't pretend to come to you with any arrogance, with our big ideas or our reasons to argue with you this morning. We recognize, Lord, that you have seen men like us live and die more times than we would count. You know what's in our hearts. You know what's in our way. And I pray, God, that by your grace, you'd show special favor to this church. That you would open our hearts and show us what you see. That your spirit would move among us and transform us. And that you would show us the life and the calling that the church is for us. Pray you'd remind us that we're in an eternal business that matters more than we could dream. That our calling and our purpose is deeper, higher, stronger, and more clear than we would imagine. I ask, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, guests, the end of your time of worship today, and no doubt God's stirred in your heart for something. We want to give you time to respond to it. In a moment, we'll all stand and start to sing, but you don't have to stand. Sit in your pew and pray. Seek the Lord if He's stirring in your heart. You do your business during this time with Him. I'm here. I'm happy to pray with you and join you in whatever it is you're asking God for. I'll quickly be joined by other staff members if more of you come forward. The altar is open for your prayers, but let's respond as God has moved in this service. Let's stand right now and respond. You stood before creation. Eternity in your hand You spoke the earth into motion My soul now to stand You stood before my failure And carried the cross What can I? 